The Courage to Lead, Episode 91. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Ryan Warner. Ryan is a professor of communication, as well as the director and executive coach at Professional Presentation Services. With over a decade of professional speaking experience and expertise, Ryan has mastered the art and science of enhancing communication. He has developed a compassionate, strategic, highly effective approach to professional communication. He believes in systematic skill development to improve confidence, optimize messaging, and enhance overall delivery. He's also the author of the forthcoming book titled The Effective Presenter, The Winning Formula for Professional Presentations. That book is available for pre-order and will be out in January of next year. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. No, this is awesome. So I definitely want to talk about uh, your upcoming book and and your experience as a speaker. You know, that's public speaking is something that scares the, the crap out of most people. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, how you got started with that. Um, as a professor of communication, you definitely have the insight. But uh, yeah, I want to find out how you coach people on uh, their speaking skills and everything like that. And uh, then we'll talk about your book. And we'll also talk about courage and leadership. But before we get started, I've got some questions. Um, these are questions the listeners already know, questions that uh, were made popular on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asked these same questions of his uh, Hollywood stars, TV, film, stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, <laughs> sure. Ryan, if you're ready. Yeah, let's let it rip. All right. Ten questions. Question number one, what is your favorite word? Mm, successful. Okay. What is your least favorite word? Failure. <laughs> okay. What turns you on? Hmm. How do I answer this? Helping people succeed. Okay. What turns you off? Hmm. Man, these are, these are tough questions. You sure you didn't come up with them yourself? <laughs> <laughs> um, quitting. Okay. What sound or noise do you love? The NFL music, the Fox music on Sunday before the game start. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, crying. <laughs> uh, question seven. What is your favorite curse word? Hmm. I'm going to pass. Can I pass? You can pass. Okay, I'll pass. Okay. All right. Um, question eight, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Hmm. I've always thought a major league pitcher in baseball okay. would be a good gig. Okay. You, you only work one day a week. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work though. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what profession would you not like to do? Hmm. I think those, those Alaskan crab fishermen, you know, who have oh, to, yeah. Yeah. Go out and deadliest catch. Yeah. Exactly. I see some of that. I think, well, I, I don't know if I could do, 
put me in front of a million people, no problem. Put me on a boat like that. I'm, I'm having a tough time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, you're in, you get in. in there. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. All right. So Ryan, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about how you got started uh, a little bit about your uh, professorship um, where you teach mm-hmm. and uh, the executive coaching you do helping professionals with their presentation skills. All right. Sure. So we'll be back right after this message. So listeners, stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And we are back with my guest, Ryan Warner. Ryan, thanks again for agreeing to be on the podcast. It's good to have you here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So you're a professor of communication. Where do you teach? Uh, so currently I'm at a Canadian university called McMaster university. Okay. Um, prior to that, I was at a, a college in Canada, a smaller college, um, in, uh, yeah, in Southeastern Ontario. And yeah, I just, I've always been, I've always been kind of, I guess you could say drawn to communication. It's been kind of been like a pull because I've seen so many people uh, over the years, uh, be very effective with their persuasiveness and with their, you know, the way they convey themselves and they articulate things. And then uh, conversely, I've seen it go horribly wrong. And from a young age, I always knew that that's something I wanted to learn more about. And as I delved in, as I, I went further and further down that path, I found myself just doing re- more and more research and, and learning more and more. And along with that, I began accruing credentials and degrees and it kind of nice. led me into a world of optimizing communication. Awesome. Yeah. Communication is one of those things. It's, it's really tough. You know, a lot of people are afraid of public speaking. You know, when you see those lists that come out, there's a fear of spiders, a fear of snakes, the fear of the dark and public <laughs> speaking is way up there at the top. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that never bothered you. You know, it, it did. I think it did initially, but there's something unique about me and I haven't quite done the, the, the self kind of analysis to this level. But when I was, when I was younger, I, I remember feeling the, the fear, but it never stopped me. It was something, it was almost like a, like I call it like a, like a passing cloud over time or like a balloon, like, Oh, that's, that's, that that's happening. Yeah. Um, but it didn't, it didn't really impact my delivery or anything else. It was just something I was aware of in the background. And I thought that was the same experience that everyone had. Hmm. As I you know, went through more and more life experiences, I realized exactly what you just said. Yeah. Some people are, are, are traumatized and, and some folks have experienced a tremendous amount of anxiety because of it. Hmm. And it just turned out that I was unique, but because I was self-aware enough to realize what was happening, I could sympathize and I was able to kind of uh, break down into steps and do the research to apply some practical strategies and techniques and offer some insight to folks who are struggling with that area. Nice. So in your teaching, is it, uh, I mean, there's a lot to communication. Communication is just not just verbal. Do you work on written communication also? Or is it? Yeah. So in my role is, 
Yeah, sorry to sorry to cut you off. Okay. Um, as a as a role as my role as a, as a professor, a lot of it is professional communication based. So we're preparing students to transition from higher education into their careers. So whether they're going into engineering or finance or business, health science is is big at the university where I work. Um, so we prepare them for, we give them the tools to help navigate the world that they're going into, whether it be a meeting, whether it be a email communication or a memo, internal communication, choosing the right words, the verbiage to use for the, for the situation, the circumstance they find themselves in to achieve the outcome that they'd like. Yeah. I remember I, I'm an English major, which you can't tell a lot of times from the podcast. <laughs> uh, I was an English major, literature and writing. And uh, had a professor one time that he handed back a paper that I turned in. He said, it's too verbose. Like, well, I edited down as much as I can. He goes, remove every third word and then clean it up. It's like, what? (laughs) But it teaches you to get more succinct with your thoughts, not to just ramble, Mm -hmm. not to just, not to put a lot of emotion in it, especially if it's a a business type thing, get to the point, support your point, right? Mm -hmm. And get on. Um, what are, what are some of the things that, that you help your students with? Or what are, the, what are some of the things maybe they struggle with that you have to help them with? Yeah, the, the first thing that springs to mind, and I was kind of having a flashback as, as you were speaking, you really painted a, a very clear picture for me. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure what it's like. I, I'm, I'm you're, sorry, you're in Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. Did, yes. did I yep. So I'm not sure what it's like in, in Georgia or some of the, the southern states. I, I've been in California and New York quite a bit. But um, in Ontario, the, the education system, when I was a child growing up, it, a lot of it was based on uh, word count. So the assignments had like a word count, a word limit. And that was one of the, you know, one of the parameters, the criteria you, you had to hit. It was almost to the point where that became more of a priority than the, the you know, how much content and, and the actual meaning of your writing. So because of that, um, you know, the, the theory is that because of that, many, many students who grew up through the system, they placed a premium on writing lengthy um, essays yes. and, 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 you know, lengthening their communication. And it, and it shows. Absolutely. And it shows, right? And and so now, you know, as you, we transition into professional communication to succeed in the workplace, you're right. Like, you know, if, if I'm speaking to my my director or my manager, for example, you know, I have I might have 12 seconds of their time today, right? I have to make an impact in those 12 seconds, so I can't can't give them two paragraphs, you know, for what they want to know. So word choice and choosing the the weight the approach to use and the the verbiage to use becomes that becomes the premium. That that's what's most valuable, I would say. Absolutely. Now has, uh, you know, you see everybody with their cell phones are sending text messages and email messages and stuff. They're abbreviating. They're putting in a lot of acronyms and things like that. Has that hurt communication? Um, we've seen a little bit um, in, so in the workplace, what we've seen, uh, the, the, the trend is more um, avoiding communication. Uh, that, that's kind of what, what we've seen in the recent is some some of the folks who are transitioning into their careers are less inclined to actually partake in communication to approach someone to send an email they will kind of wait until it's it's almost like obligatory like they they have to it's a forced action wow. um, and, and same thing with with presentations or speaking up that th- some of them are are more reluctant to to do that than we've seen in the, in the past so mm-hmm. that's that's one yeah, that's one hurdle that some folks are having to overcome wow and i a lot of times I, I would rather just pick up the phone and talk to somebody instead of writing a long email because mm-hmm. there's so many times, especially with written communication, my intention may not come through. Mm-hmm. They have, uh, you know, meanings and, and connotations that 
they have for certain words, they may be different than my meaning or my connotation. When I write something, it could be taken totally different on, mm-hmm. on the receiving end. My wife used to say that communication is a away game. It's not what you say, it's what they hear. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not what you write, it's how they read it. Mm-hmm. That's tough. How do you how do you get around that, or how do you work with your your students on that? Well, I think your your wife's exactly correct. Um, but a part of it is, there's there's a, what we're seeing is a little bit of an expectation, and I mean it's no it's it's you know human nature. When people come into the workplace, we just assume that they can deliver a presentation, or we just mm-hmm. assume that you know they'll know how to communicate if they need to, right? Meanwhile, most of the time, people who who get these entry level jobs, or if, if they're successful in getting in a, an internship or something like this, they have shown, they've demonstrated that they can do the hard skills of the job. They can, you know, do the accounting, do the finance, do, you know, whatever the, the programming, the development, for example. But what they, what they haven't developed, what kind of gets overlooked, gets taken for granted, I would say, is that they can communicate what they're doing, their progress, for example, to their peers or to their colleagues, right? And that kind of comes that so that I don't say that they pay the piper, but that comes to fruition over mm-hmm. time when they have to give an update or when they and, and people start to realize that, okay, uh, the, the, this, the communication is not as clear as we had hoped. And then there's follow up questions that take time, they take energy, it kind of pulls productivity. So I think more effort, in my personal opinion, I think much more effort should be paid to um, the soft skills. And even some organizations are now starting to invest in onboarding training, that this is how we communicate and this is what we'd like you to do because they know it's going to pay dividends down the road. Excellent. No, yeah, that would be great. I wish they had those type of of classes when I started off because, again, writing uh, literature, writing short stories, things like that, that's totally different. And the, the mindset, the, the approach is totally different. So yeah, having those type of classes, I think would be great. And is that something you offer? Uh, sometimes. Uh, and so not through, in parallel to my professorship, um, as, a, as a coach and a consultant, sometimes organizations will, will reach out to me and they'll secure my services for, you know, we, we just hired, we had a hiring, you know, uh, kind of like a frenzy. We've had mm-hmm. to onboard 26 people at the same time. Wow. One of the components is we'd like them to, you know, integrate and communicate effectively. Um, these are the things we need them to know. And then I would help develop a little bit of a curriculum and, and deliver it to the folks so that they're up to speed as quickly as possible. Excellent. Very cool. So professional presentation services, it's not just presentations, but it's all communication, business type of communication? Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. It started as, yeah, it actually started when, when I became a professor years ago and I was vacationing in, in California, I a few friends in the Bay area who have started their own companies. And since I've become, you know, tremendously successful, I'm very proud of them. Uh, but early on when, when I would go to vacation with them, we start just, you know, conversing about, you know, everything you can think of from, from sports, the friendship memories. And then we landed on communication. They had pitches coming up for their, their company and for their startup at the time. And, wow. you know, as you know, investment is, is the lifeblood of yes. startups. So they, they need that funding. It's high stakes. And, you know, if you think folks are, are a little bit anxious, giving a quarterly update, wait till you see them in front of, you know, investors mm. that they, you know, it's their last kick at the can here. So, yeah, I began uh, sharing some strategies and some of the research that I had found and some of the, the situations that I had been uh, successfully applied in, seeing if there were any parallels and then advising, kind of offering what I could to, to help them be successful. And that situation, it kind of grew through references. It grew organically nice. into professional presentation services. Um, 
as of as the, as of late the latest chapter since probably about a year before the the pandemic so probably for since about 2018 maybe maybe early 2019 but it's 2018 for sure i started getting requests to do a little bit more yeah so like a team cohesiveness training and conflict resolution training and lately i've been doing a, a lot of leadership training wow. a lot of leadership coaching so so yeah it's expanded a little bit that's awesome though yeah. I've got some friends out, out there in the San Francisco, San Jose area in California. Mm. Them, you know, putting together their presentation. How do you go before people to show them this is what we do and how we do it? There's a formula and it's got to be very mm. tight. You know, um, we used to, in, in, as a management consultant, we used to say the uh, bluff bottom line up front. Here's <laughs> what I'm going to ask you. Mm. Here's the presentation. And then the ask you know, mm-hmm. kind of get their mindset. Um, Cause a lot of times I've seen it where you'll go in front of a, a client, you'll do this whole big presentation at the very end. You say, and that's why we need, you know, 2.5 million. And they look and go, what, <laughs> what, <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't prepared for that. I was expecting such, such a stuff. So that's one of the things that we used to teach our consultants coming in and everything was bottom line up front, start with, this is what we're talking about, then talk about it and then kind of sum it up at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your approach to, to those type of, of presentations, say for a venture capitalist uh, going in, to, in front of venture capitalists? So it always, that's a great question. It always depends on how much time, to me, time is always a factor and it's mm-hmm. ironic because it's often the most overlooked factor. Yeah. Um, time in terms of how much time do we have to prepare before the pitch? And then also how long is the pitch itself, right? Because you know, I, I'm sure, you know, entrepreneurs, they're very proud of what they've done and, sure. and deserve at least rightfully so, but sure. they, they tend to want to include everything, but the kitchen sink in their, in their pitch that they've worked on, which unfortunately is not conducive to an effective or a successful pitch. So my approach, and it's actually detailed in, um, in my book, the effective presenter, it's a, a systematic formula to develop the most, give, it, I tell people it gives you the highest probability of success. Nice. So if you, if you follow the steps, it gives you it you're able to effectively conclude what you can what you should include what you should exclude what order sequence depending on your situation you should arrange it in and then the most effective delivery strategies to use for your situation so not every situation's the same right for some startups they have tons of traction and they have tons of sales and they're 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 ready they're you know looking to to expand um, for other startups, they, they have a lot of positive like letters of intent, let's say, and, and they have a lot of other um, meaningful you know, uh, progress, but they don't have the actual the numbers of sales. Mm-hmm. So in that case, we'd have to shift it and we'd have to highlight something else or showcase another part that's more promising. So it's a little bit of a, a custom custom case, but, but yeah, sorry if I went off on a tangent. No, no, no. That's, <laughs> I'm thinking the exact same thing because if, if you've been in business for a while and you're looking for that second round of, of funding, you have some numbers you can point to. Here's some stats. Here's what we've done with this funding. Here's what we know we can accomplish. But if you're just starting off and there's a group down here, I don't know if they have them up there in Canada. It's called 1 million cups, Mm -hmm. 1 million cups where you can go in front of people and kind of give your presentation, get feedback before Mm -hmm. you go, you know, for the the funding. Um, A lot of times you'll see them come in and, and they're talking about, Oh, my, my granddaddy started this and I worked here and I've done this. It's like, all that's great but get down to the point. What mm-hmm. specifically do you want and what do you intend to do with it? You know, so right. it's, yeah, the approach is a little bit different. So tell me more about your book, The Effective Presenter, The Winning Formula for Professional Presentations. Yeah, so thank you. So 
essentially what happened, the, the impetus for the book was slowly but surely, um, as my clients, as I began, as I began to receive more and more requests, let's say, mm -hmm. uh, to help, I, I realized my time was scarce, unfortunately. Uh, I, I am afforded some time with my professorship, which I'm very blessed and very fortunate to have. But sometimes the demands, they, they tend to come in waves and I, I can't be everywhere at once as much as I try. And so one of the things uh, it's been kind of, you know, requested of me for a few years now, a few of my friends and colleagues and clients have said, you know, can you just, can you make a manual? Can you create a guide for us? Because, you know, oftentimes when they, we would book FaceTime for maybe a half hour and they, they would start, okay, this is what we have. This is what we need. This is, and I would be, okay, so you need to structure it like this. And I would try to advise them as much as I can in the time that we have. And so eventually I, I had a little bit of time, you know, here and there over the, uh, over the last couple of years. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to start piecing together a guide. And the guide turned into, you know, a 14 chapter book with, wow. with, with a visual of, of a, a professional presentation framework that, that came to fruition and that, yeah. And then that's kind of how that eventually happened. Nice. Very cool. So what tips can you give people who have presentations to give? So people always say, uh, so, okay, so the first step is you need to know, people say the first step is you need to know your audience. Um, I, I kind of disagree a little bit. I think that's the second step. I think the first step is you need to know what's, what does a win look like? So before you go to begin your preparation to even design a presentation, you know, say like what outcome would be mm -hmm. optimal for me here. And then once you have that, you say, this is what a win would look like. Then and that kind of informs all the rest of your decisions. So then how do we make that to, how do we bring that to fruition? How do we help that to happen? And so the next step becomes, okay, who's my audience? Mm -hmm. And, you know, cause usually, well, not usually always the audience plays a part in, in bringing that to fruition. So you usually want to inform them. You want to persuade them something of that nature. Right. So I would, uh, my first advice to, to anyone out there who has to approach a presentation, don't open up your PowerPoint or your keynote or whatever you have and start <laughs> making slides. That's always the default. People do that in the research because it feels like they're making progress. Yeah. Right. But what ends up happening is they end up basically creating a, a PDF, like a memo with all of right. the content on their slides. Right. Yeah. Um, so the first step is not to open your PowerPoint. First step is to envision like, what is the optimal outcome here for you? What does a win look like? Yeah. Starting with that in mind, this is what the result I want. Mm -hmm. right? And then kind of backing into how do I present this? How do I support this? And then, yeah, the, the actual pitch um, images or words only. Well, so, um, sorry, my mind was going a little bit faster and, and just, <laughs> can, can I finish a thought with that? Sure. The absolutely. Question? Yeah. All right. Sorry. <laughs> no, kind of hijacking the, I'm hijacking the interview. No, you're fine. Um, but some folks, uh, they, when they, they have, okay, I know what my desired outcome is Ryan and now we can start building it. Okay. And then at the end of the, the, the presentation, they will, they won't get like a, you know, a standing ovation or an applause or anything like that. And for some reason, I think, well, it's not for some reason, instinctively in humans, we, if we don't get that short-term feedback, we think that, you know, we, we failed, failed or it right. wasn't a success. Right? right. Meanwhile, right. If you, if in your example earlier, if you, you know, if you get your $2.5 million investment, it doesn't matter if they clapped at the end, right. It right. matters. <laughs> That's what you set out to achieve. You right. achieved it. Success, right? Yeah. So I think people need to keep that in mind throughout the entirety of the process. Nice. 
to your next question, visuals. Yeah, so I, I'm a big fan of visuals and, and the rule of th the research shows that no more than six components on a slide. Mm -hmm. As soon as you go from six to seven, then the, the human brain can't just instinctively see six and it's six things and know there's six. It has to go into counting mode, which yeah. takes a lot more cognitive energy and it makes the audience have to work much harder to, to process your, your content. So definitely images more than text. And, you know, I tell folks all the time, you are your presentation, not your slides, right? They're there to support you. If you need to, uh, you know, detail something or help clarify a point or expand, but you're the, f the focal point. And if your slides for some reason don't work, you should still be able to, to deliver effectively. Exactly. Yeah. Please don't stand there and read the slide to me. <laughs> you know, I've been in, in business presentations where somebody will put up a slide that is just text all the way through. They've had to make it four point font so they can get everything they want to say up on the slide. And then they turn their back to you and read. It's like, I'm not here. I can read this myself. Give me a picture or a graphic or a graph mm -hmm. of some kind, and then talk to me about it. Explain that to me. What does it show and why? Um, in, in a lot of mine, I use just a, a picture. I'll go out and find some really great picture, even photos I've taken, you know, a vacation or something. That's the image I want them in their mind. And then I talk to that image. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So do you have people working with you in your, in your coaching or do you do that solo? Uh, that's a good question. I have a, a few, a few colleagues of mine that I, that uh, I lead. So I have um, a friend of mine, he d does my website and yeah, so I, I have a, a few, uh, you know, I would call them kind of, um, they're not, they're contractors more or less. Okay. They're not actually like included in the company is, is basically just me. So okay. it's, it's, I'm the one who's, I, I create the content. I do the mailing list. I, you know, I'm the, the, the face. Nice. And then as a professor, do you have uh, people that work with you? Do you have um, assistants, people that come in? Yeah, we have, yeah, we have, we have teaching assistants. We have, um, there's other uh, professors in my department that we work closely with. We have uh, postdocs, postdoctors, uh, fellows who do research and they, they help us to uh, find new knowledge and find ways to integrate that into, you know, the, the existing content that we have so we can pr best prepare our students to take on the world and in, in their careers. So it's, it's usually a, it's a team effort. Excellent. Very cool. Yeah. Cause normally I ask people that are on that, you know, they they run a company, so they have multiple employees working for them or something like that. Um, I'll ask you, with the assistants, the people that you have around you, the people that work with you mm -hmm. um, in these different ventures, if I was to bump into one of them on the road and ask them what type of leader you are, what would they tell me? They would tell you that I am very compassionate and that I am... They would, compassion is the first thing that comes to mind. I, I kind of pride myself on making sure that I'm, and I, I'm receptive. So I'm, I'm, I'm open to, even if I think someone's come to me 15 times, not saying this has happened, but if this had ever happened, someone approaches me 15 times with, you know, 15 ideas that didn't work. It doesn't mean I'm not going to listen to them the 16th time. Right. I'm, uh, and that's something that I, I kind of, I preach when I'm doing my leadership coaching is th that's. That, that's just, it comes with the territory. If you're going to be a leader, if you're going to be effective as a leader, you have to be open to, to accepting ideas and, and involving people in, in the decisions. Absolutely. And uh, to me, leadership is communication. Mm -hmm. if, if you're not an effective communicator, you can't be an effective leader. You have a vision in your mind. You have to be able to share that compelling vision 
with your employees, with your team to make sure they understand what it is you're doing and how you plan to get there, right? Uh, so I think communication is important. Written communication, verbal, uh, all uh, presentations, it's all so important. And you have to be able to communicate at all those different levels. You know, you communicate at the C-level, right? C-suite, CEO, CFO. Yep. You have to do it at the mid-management level. You have to work at the frontline employees. You have to be able to communicate. And they all need different pieces of information mm-hmm. and at different degrees of, I guess, complexity, right? Depending yeah. on, on what it is. So, so yeah, to me, communication goes hand in hand with leadership. Yeah. I've always, I'm sorry to, to, to jump in, but you're, again, your, your, your stories are sparking, uh, sparking a lot of memories. And I always preach, um, I call it's a term I, I kind of made up, I guess, but I call it, uh, you know, communication flexibility. Okay. Because you want to, uh, ideally, you want to have the flexibility in whatever circumstance you find yourself in to communicate effectively to your counterpart and achieve your desired outcome. Right. So, so a lot of it is so a large part of it is having the, the voc- vocabulary. So the flexibility to use different words in a different sequence to convey a, a different message, the message that you want for like example, your C-suite versus, you know, your, your junior managers versus your entry level folks. So they, maybe they, not everyone needs to know everything, but you know, what they do need to know, they need to understand how it's valuable, how it's contributing. And there's a way to craft that. So, so it lands well with, with that audience versus the other levels, as you mentioned. And, um, and yeah, that's kind of, to be honest with you, what led me into leadership coaching was I was was working with these, with leaders who are, you know, executives and directors and, and C-suite positions. And many of them, I, I was I came in with the mindset, I'm going to help them optimize their communication so that they can be more effective. What I found is a lot of their, the, the, the approach that they take, I found that extremely interesting, the, the way that they confronted a, a situation or a circumstance, it kind of went beyond, it really does shape the language, yeah. right? And, and it's, it's, it's kind of, there, there's very many layers that I found. And I actually, uh, shortly after that, I pursued uh, my professional master's in leadership because I said, I want to know more. I need to know how the approaches, how the variety of approaches help to shape the language because, you know, that to me is is extremely intriguing. Absolutely. Give me an example. Do you have an example? So, yeah, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. So if someone were to, if you had a a, a situation where there was, you know, a, a number of new managers coming up and they're in a new situation where their former colleagues are now their subordinates and they need to change their approach and they need to, you know, act or to carry out their roles and perform well. And so if you're their leader, you have, you know, a couple different options, right? Are you looking at them like saying, this is the expectation and this is what we expect you to be? Are you looking at them and saying, we want you to be the best leader for you and we want you to convey that down? Like, so, so you have, you know, kind of some, some choices with what you want, to, how you want to approach it. And then that will shape the message that you send and obviously, and hopefully be reinforced with actions over time to support it. But, but yeah. Wow. Yeah, as a management consultant, that's one of the things we used to do. Um, uh, I was a consultant in the area of organizational change. So companies that were undergoing a merger, acquisition, uh, process reengineering, restructuring of the business, something like that, we would work with the executive team to help them understand the change and all the impacts of that change, help them communicate the change, and then lead their people through the change. Mm. So the executive team was talking at the peer level, and then they were talking at the management level, and then down to the employees. And they had to take that key message and like I said, change it just a little bit 
to the right mm. level of, of complexity or whatever for each one of the different uh, groups to let them know. Because at this level, it's like, here's what we're doing. The next level is here's what we expect from you. And the next level is motivating them. You know, right. here's a vision, rah, rah, cheers. You know, this is where we're going <laughs> and stuff. Some people were very effective at getting their vision across. You mm-hmm. felt, wow, I want to be a part of that, you know? Um, and then you had others that just kind of missed the mark. They, they talked either way above your head or it wasn't mm-hmm. motivating at all. Um, any tips on how to know what to say to, to those levels? Do you cover that in your book? Yeah. So it's, it's covered, uh, I guess you, I'd say like in the big picture scope uh, in, in particular, no, it's not covered in the book. Um, but I'm just thinking about it as, I, as I'm speaking, I would say the, the biggest tip is, is the, and this is really the, the, the core component that every leader should work on is uh, having the resolve and, and being self-aware. So you, you really need to understand like how you need to, it, it's a tough, it's sometimes it's a tough situation to face, right? Like you don't want to think to yourself that you don't understand your cohort you know you don't yeah. we don't know what's happening under your roof or you know that you don't have the full support that you think you have right it, it, it sometimes it can be tough to look at but yeah. but if you can if you can look and say you know what the last couple of times that i spoke to them i don't think i got through and i i didn't want to look at it i just walked away from the podium or i walked away but i don't think that my my staff like actually was with me i think they were just giving me the, the lip service the smile and nod Right. Okay. And then I'll go back to doing what I was doing before this. And maybe if it comes up again, I'll think about it. Right. So if, if you can, if you have that wherewithal and you can look and say, then, then you say, okay, I didn't hit them. Why didn't I hit them? Or, or what would land with them? Right. What do they care about? Right. They, in general, like the, there's, there's short-term things you can do, right. Like to, you know, bonuses and things of that nature, but the, the, the real, the, the, say the long lasting, the lasting effect is, is people need to feel fulfilled. Yes. People need to feel like they're contributing to a shared goal and feel happy and, 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 you know, feel the progress when they're, when they're doing it, when they're working toward it. And, and that's something that that can be crafted a number of different ways. But if you think you're, you're, you're batting a hundred, if you think you're going out there and you're crushing it and you're not, then there's a problem. So, and that's not going to happen. So you need to kind of be a little bit self-reflective, introspective and think to yourself, okay, do I, am I actually making a difference here? And then if not, let's adjust, what can we do? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's key finding out at, at whatever level you're, you're trying to talk to or make the presentation to, what is it they need to hear? You know, what is it that's most important to them at the higher levels? You know, the finances, this is where we're going with the company, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's fine. But for me, the average worker on the shop floor, do I still have a job? What's mm-hmm. tomorrow going to look like? You know, what's expected of me? What can I expect from the, the company? So yeah, coming in with that, that type of information at their level, I think is important. And, and that's something for me personally that I had to, I, I just, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you've had, I'm sure all the listeners have had like something you just take for granted that you just do naturally and other people, they don't. And you think, whoa, wait a minute here. Like, why don't, why didn't you do that? Right. Yeah. Um, and one of my first experiences, uh, one of my, the, the first, this is going back you know, ages ago, but that one of the first startup companies I was working with, they made, they were a larger startup. I think they were like series C or series D. So they had about three, 300 employees at the time. And one of the, one of the co-founders was using the same, the 
I guess you'd say the same presentation deck, the same exact almost presentation to the board members as they were to when they'd give an update to the employees, right? right? But obviously the board members are interested in very different things than, than the, the, all the employees pooled together. So, you know, th this created some, you know, some tension. This cr also created some, some frustration or some friction down the road. But once, once we were able to, once I was able to work with this person, we were able to understand, okay, where's the disconnect happening, right? And that two different audiences need two different messages. And the same thing is because they, they just, they're interested in two different things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, uh, that's a little bit of story to, to illustrate the point. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think also who delivers the message? Mm -hmm. The message is important, but who delivers it to? If, if you've got the senior executive coming out and talking, that's more motivational, but then mm -hmm. I want my manager or supervisor come in and give me the details on it mm -hmm. and they should follow up. So the one thing we used to do is put together a whole communication plan within the project. Here's what's expected at each one of these phases at each level. Mm -hmm. So we need you talking to this group. We need you talking to this group and here's what you say, you know, to make sure that message gets across. Wow. Yeah, I think it was, I, I want to say it was, it was Peter Drucker, but I, it, might, it might be misquoting. It might be Stephen Covey, but one of them said, uh, leadership is doing the right things and management is doing things right. Yes. And, and that jives very, very closely with what you said. I, I always say, I say, you know, leaders play offense, uh, managers play defense. Okay. I, not to be, you know, <laughs> that you need both offense and defense yes. to, to, to win. Right. But, but the, the, the leaders are the ones who have a, a goal and they're trying yes. to work towards it. Right. The managers are, are making sure that uh, the machine's functioning properly and that people have, they're supported with what they need to do so that they can you know, yeah. achieve the same goal. Exactly. Yeah. I have to know what that goal is, right. but then I need direction on how to do this. How to Correct. Function. Yes. Yeah. Um, COVID uh, it's, I mean, it's hit everybody. Uh, a lot of people are working remotely now that has done a lot to change uh, the engagement of employees the communication of employees, because now instead of stopping by somebody's office and talking, rather than gathering the group together to do a town hall type meeting, everything's done over Zoom or Teams or something like that. What has that done to communication? It's made things, yeah, it's definitely muddied the waters, um, it, or it shouldn't say muddied the waters. It's definitely you know, revolutionized the way, the standard expectation. And as you mentioned earlier, not too many people, I shouldn't say not too many people, but it's becoming more and more rare that someone will pick up the phone um, when they have, right? Usually it's arrange, we'll, we'll schedule a Zoom call and we'll talk about it. And then if that doesn't happen, we'll just kick the can down the road a little while until we can meet later. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's, different messaging systems that have been kind of utilized like you know microsoft teams slack there's there's internal messaging systems that have have helped and that some organizations have used to try to bridge this gap but i think at the end of the day we need to understand that the people on the other side of that computer screen they're human beings too and human beings we think we operate in the same you can give me the best technology in the world if i don't want to respond to someone the right way i'm not going to right mm -hmm. versus if they come in and say ryan i need to talk to you Okay. Yeah. What do you, what do you need? How can I help? Right. Um, so I think that people need to be, we need to be more understanding of who we're working with and we need to have an understanding of what the expectations are. Right. So if someone's not responding to you right away, doesn't necessarily mean that they're ignoring you or that they, you know, it could mean that they have a, you know, a crying three-year-old in the other room that they have to address and that unfortunately, or, you know, so they, someone's got to go to the dentist or something happens. Right. Then, yeah. so I, I think it's a little bit of, you know, patience and, you know, a shared expectation that, 
listen, we're all trying to do the best we can here under the circumstances. So a little bit of understanding goes a long way. Absolutely. Yeah. And we try to tell people too, if, if it's a confrontation of some kind or, or you're upset about something, don't put it in writing, pick up the phone, Yeah, call the person and talk to them, you know, because you don't want something like that living out there. Things that, that you send through email, things that you post that lives on forever and ever. You don't want this. If somebody says something or writes a, an email to you that upsets you a little bit, pick up the phone, call them, talk yeah. to them, work it out. And that's always a great strategy. Like that, you know, and if, with confusion too, if someone asks me, sends an email to me at work, I'm like, what the, what are they talking about here? Right. I don't, I, you know, I could, you know, I email them back saying, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? Please be more clear. Right. Or, right. I can say like, can you, can we talk between this time and this time? I think we'd have, you know, much, much greater chance of uh, achieving some clarity or getting on the same page. So if we could do it like that. Yeah. Very cool. And another pet peeve of mine, and I'll, I'll get off that soapbox. No, um, go ahead. Email. If I send an email to you, but I CC a colleague, mm-hmm. that's just to keep the colleague informed that we're having a conversation. It's not up to the colleague to jump in the middle of the conversation to start talking. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I want you to be aware that I'm having a conversation with Ryan. Here's mm-hmm. what Ryan and I are talking about. I want you to be aware of the conversation just in case it impacts you at some point. So many times I've had somebody that was a CC mm-hmm. jump in the middle and take over the conversation. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was our conversation. Do you talk about that when you go over um, business type communication? I, I do. Yeah. So we do that a lot. And oftentimes we will, we'll say to include that, uh, I'm sure you know this, but we say to include that in the email, say like, you know, I'm CCing Harlan. Um, so he's apprised of this. Yeah. Right. And then it's kind of like a subtle message to you, like just, you know, sit back and, and, and just observe yes. this. Uh, but, but the research show, or I should say the, the anecdotal research. So when I'm doing my sessions, that is a question I ask very often, because especially when I'm doing team cohesiveness or conflict resolution training, that comes up where someone will, they'll chime in and they'll, they'll start to, they want to contribute to the conversation. When I was able to, you know, drill down on this with a few, a few uh, individuals, the, the results were, they wanted to signal that they have some value to add they wanted to kind of showcase that they have some value and and that was their way to do it because they felt like if I don't do this, I will appear lazy or I will appear like I'm just a cog in a wheel when I want to show people that I can actually, you know, contribute to this. Sure. But if if I'm talking, say to a colleague and I CC you, Mm -hmm. if I've done something wrong in that email to the colleague, you, your comment should be back to me. Correct. In, in, like just yeah. independently off, on the, off site. the side. Hey, just wanted to let you know you got the dates wrong on this or something like that. So I save face. I can go back and make the correction. Everybody's fine. If you jump in, it looks like you're circumventing me. It looks like you're saying, Hey, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm the one who knows what I'm talking about. You know, and I've had that happen <laughs> a couple of times in business and that's personal pet peeve. Absolutely. Well, that I could see that it, that's etiquette, right? That's, and that's, yeah. and I think, unfortunately we might be seeing that more and more. Because uh, I, it, like, it just seems like that's not being as, uh, as focused on. It's, it's kind of it being, I guess, again, taken for granted. Yeah. But I, I think a lot of the coaching I do, I, I'm coaching folks who, who are on your side of it, who are like, why do these people do this, Ryan? Now, how do I address this problem? Now, what do I, right? And you know, we have to say, okay, well, you know, we'll take a breath. Obviously, it's, you know, it's, it's irritating. <laughs> Um, let's talk to, let's reinforce the expectations and say like, look, from now on, can you please do this? And as much as it, 
is frustrating and you want to, you know, give them, give them an earful at the same time, that's not going to help you down the road. What right. will help you is trying to clarify, you know, uh, but I, I, I sympathize though. We've been there. Absolutely. So courage, where did you find the courage to step out and, and do, first of all, I mean, to be a professor that takes a lot of work, a mm-hmm. lot of time, a lot of effort. A lot of people would say that's way too much work for the I don't know, the, the value I get or the, the benefits I get from it and stuff like that. Um, where did you find the courage to, to go out and be a professor and then to also start the, uh, the coaching? So to be honest with you, the coaching took a, a little, a great deal more courage than the, the professorship. My, my life, I've, I've always tried to, I, I've tried to, to the best of my ability, pursue my passions, regardless of, of the, the cost, uh, you know, as long as it's not like <laughs> severe, like, you know, health costs. But if something made me a little bit uncomfortable, but I wanted to pursue it, um, I, I wouldn't let something, the discomfort, you know, dissuade me from achieving my goal from what I wanted. I've always been, I've had a little bit of, uh, one of my friends tell me that he's like, you have some calluses on your brain, things that you're, you're just a little bit tougher that you can put yourself in these situations where other people wouldn't do it. Um, but but I really did, I genuinely was interested in communication. And I myself, when I was in, I remember back when I was in high school and transitioning to university, I had a very difficult time expressing myself. I wasn't always as articulate as I am now. It took a lot of practice and it was very frustrating because I had these ideas. I knew I had a number of different, uh, I had a number of abilities, the ability to, you know, infer uh, solutions, the ability to, I had a lot of, I had great strategies, great instincts and intuition, but I, I just wasn't able to to convey that effectively, and it became frustrating. So, when as I delved into that, like I said, as I went down that path and studied more and more about communication, it just seemed like helping others to be able to communicate effectively was something that was important to me it, it, because I had gone through it. I felt the pain, the, the frustration, and that led me down that path. So, so that's how the professorship kind of came to be. It was just um, you know stepping one step after another excuse me, to more effective communication, more strategies. But uh, yeah, the coaching was something that took some, that, that took a little bit of a push. I got, you know, a few of my friends in the Bay area, they, they had to push me in, in San Jose and San Francisco because I, I wasn't, I wasn't excited to, to leave academia to go into the corporate. Sure. Um, I, I, I was a little bit hesitant, but you know, after a number of conversations saying, no, people could really use this. Trust me, we work with engineers and they need to know how to speak and they need yes. to know how to, yeah. And that they kind of gave me the push Then I said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do it then we'll, we'll give it a shot. And then, you know, the referrals started coming in and the work started coming in and I started really enjoying it, seeing how it actually plays out in the real world and how the solutions come, come to fruition in the real world. So nice. yeah, that's how that happened. Um, and as a teacher, you probably know this too, you know, there's a lot of different types of courage we have to tap into um, in our daily lives, uh, business as a, as a teacher, as a coach, professor, whatever. Um, intellectual courage, the courage to be able to set aside your long-held beliefs to make room for brand new knowledge. And there's, Mm -hmm. there's new things coming up all the time, right? Um, that's one thing that drives me up, up the wall is when somebody says, well, this is the way I've always done it. Me too. It's closed-minded. You know, it's gotta, you gotta be open to this. Um, empathetic courage. We've been there. We know how hard it is, you know, to give the presentations and, and you see the people up there sweating and, and, you know, hyperventilating and everything like that. It's like, I've been there to be able to empathize with them, but set aside your emotion to work with them and help them through whatever they're doing, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's easy for you, but you have to set that aside because you know how difficult it might be for them. Um, mm-hmm. Discipline, courage, setting a goal, uh, setting a plan, and then following that plan. 
Is there a type of courage you think is, is most important for entrepreneurs? Hmm. Yeah, you have to be, I'm not sure if there's one type in particular, but I, I can tell you one of the most common issues that I help entrepreneurs overcome is oftentimes when entrepreneurs are successful, it's because they've been able to do a couple, two or three things exceptionally well. And because they've had, they've had some success and they've been able to do a couple of things exceptionally well, as you uh, alluded to earlier, some of them are reluctant to move off of that, mm -hmm. right? Like, okay, that, that strategy worked well and you executed that brilliantly in the past. Right. But now moving forward, we're going to have to switch to a different model, right? This this often happens when companies grow to a certain size where they have to either hire, you know, uh, board members or more experienced leaders to help them with the, manage the, the size of the growth, or they need, they become leaders themselves where previously they were, you know, heading up a four person team. Now they have a hundred people underneath them, yeah. right? So how do they, so being open to and also having the wherewithal so sorry let me finish with that so being open to to the <laughs> being open to the the new the new strategies that, that come up and being open to new information and adjusting pivoting as needed to achieve your desired outcome but but also having the the resolve to to say you know what i thought x but i realize now y is better right and, and having like being able the courage to to stay to yourself you know i, I made a mistake there and we started down this path i'm sorry guys we had to back up a little bit and then we got to pivot and we got to go this way like, you know, right. And, and that sometimes is, is, is a tough pill to swallow because yeah. you're not saving face there, right? You're admitting I made a mistake. I'm sure. sorry. That's tough. Yeah. It's tough to do. Right. But if you can do that, that builds a lot of rapport and it builds a lot of trust because <laughs> um, people will know you're not doing things for your own benefit. You're not doing things yeah. for, you know, individual credit or for whatever you're doing what you think is best for the, and you're not afraid to change your mind. If you think it will give you a better shot of success and people, people rally to that. Absolutely. Well, it gives them the, the feeling, Hey, I don't have to be perfect. Right. All I have to do is admit what I've done wrong and, and go the opposite way. I think that's huge. You know, a lot of businesses, the owner wants to seem like they are, you know, just genius. Everything they do is perfect. Right. You, know, you have to be perfect too. It's like, no, we don't, we all make mistakes, own it and, and change direction if you need to. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's tons of examples over time, but I think that the biggest one, I can't remember if it was Advil or Tylenol, but one of them had a, had a, a problem like decades ago, there was something wrong with the, the composition mm -hmm. and people were getting sick and they could, they could have, you know, just removed them off the shelves and pulled this marketing strategy to kind of avoid the deflect the blame. And, but no, they owned up. They said, sorry, something happened. We're not sure what, but we're looking into it. Mm -hmm. And the polls show like the, the year afterwards, they had crazy amount of support and brand loyalty because people appreciated that they, they were upfront about it. And they said, listen, we had, we made a mistake, but we're working on it and we'll yeah. let you know when it's fixed. Absolutely. No, good stuff. Good stuff. So if people want help, <laughs> I mean, your book's coming out in January, they can pre-order it now. Uh, but if people want help with their presentations, or if you've got a business or even a, a small startup that is looking for um, some help with their presentations and, and communication, how can they find you? What's your website? So my website is professionalpresentationservices.com. And I think the first thing to do is the first thing I would recommend to someone who's looking to level up their own communication or within their organization or even them independently, just themselves, I would say, yeah, visit the website and subscribe to our free uh, biweekly dispatch. So every other okay. week, 
I will write it's a, you know, a brief professional communication tip or strategy nice. that's backed up by research and it's been proven in the field and I will share it. It's, it's, it gets emailed out every two weeks. And that really is the, the gateway to everything else that, that we do, all the training that I do and, and the different coaching and the different events that I hold. Nice. Um, alternatively, I mean, additionally, you know, you can please follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, we okay. have a professional, I have a professional presentation services page, or, or you can connect with me personally on LinkedIn. Um, if you'd like to, to get a hold of me, again, you can message me through there or my website. It's just Ryan at professionalpresentationservices.com. Uh, feel free to drop me an email and I'd be, I'd be more than happy to to help you out. Awesome. That is cool. Yeah, because I, I think people do need help. And that's one thing, like you said, as as you rise up through management into the, the upper levels where you're presenting more, you're presenting to peers, you're presenting to upper management, your communication has to be spot on. So yeah, definitely something they, they need to look at. Very cool. And it's, and sorry, the one thing I wanted to add, it is, it's a hundred percent discreet because I have so many clients who are C-suite and they don't want people to know that they're getting coached on the way to convey themselves, the way to articulate their thoughts and express different, different, uh, you know, navigate different communications. So, uh, yeah, please, if you're in that situation, <laughs> feel free to reach out. We'll, we'll definitely but, help you out and we'll make sure we can get you where you need you to go. But why is that? I mean, they, they'll hire a golf coach and brag to everybody that will listen. Mm-hmm but they won't get a presentation coach, a a speech coach. They won't get a business coach. You know, I've never understood that. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's the, the, it's not, I think in real, in reality, like in the real world, many people wouldn't, right. If I said, Hey, I have a a business coach or an executive coach myself. Right. I think everyone needs a coach, right? Like you said, like, why would you professional athletes who are performing at the peak, they have coaches. I, I think it's it's a psychological thing. They they feel like they don't want people to know that they're getting help. They want people to think that they can perform like this of their own, you know, of their own ability. Yeah. All right. So it is discreet. If you're out there struggling, <laughs> you can get help and we don't have to let anybody else know. All right. Your book right. is coming out, The Effective Presenter, The Winning Formula for Professional Presentations. I'm looking forward to reading that. I'll definitely order my copy. Um, Ryan, this has been great. Thank you so much for for being on the program. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, this is good. Listeners, hope you guys were taking notes. A lot of good takeaways here. Make sure you check out professionalpresentationservices.com. And uh, and you said there's a place they can order the dispatch. They can sign up to get that every two weeks. Right on the homepage. Yep. Right on the homepage. Perfect. All right. So go out and check that out. And if you uh, like this episode, make sure you share it with your family, friends, and colleagues and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now. 